And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Real estate, it's everywhere. You have all different kinds of it. You have uh, residential, multifamily, commercial, and investing in real estate is one of the oldest forms of investment in general. Now, the world has advanced, and with that, all kinds of new technology, all kinds of fun stuff, and we're going to talk all about real estate investment tech. This is the beginning of a 10-part series of all about real estate investment and the different types and things of all forms of investment people do. It's everyone. It's a subject that we haven't touched, and I'm excited to get into it. With me today, I've got Andy Callenbach, and Andy is the CEO and founder of Lending Standard. You can go to LendingStandard.com. There's a link in the show notes to learn more about it. He's also from my hometown of Kansas City. Andy, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, and you know, here here's the amazing thing is is and I normally would ask what your backstory is here, but your company is also the sponsor of this series. So, uh, you know, I I would be remiss if I didn't let everyone know that today's episode of Startup Hustle, sponsored by Lending Standard, the only secure online origination and underwriting platform solution for HUD, Fannie, Freddie, and uh, just banks and multifamily lenders. So visit LendingStandard.com to learn more or click the link in the show notes. Now, Andy, was it weird to have me reading your storyline? A little bit. I mean, usually, usually I'm pitching, you know, my own business, uh, which you did, a good, you did a great job. So I, I think- Thank you. I'm good at reading words. I've gotten better at that. And, you know, we're coming up on episode 600 of Startup Hustle, which is, I was informed today is on May 31st. Now we have a backstory and I know that you do as well at Lending Standard. And I know you've branched out to do some other things. Why don't we just start with catching the backstory about the problem you're solving and why you started the company? Sure. I mean, look, I'm primarily a software person. That's that's my background. Um, I, I've almost always been in the the finance, uh, accounting, uh, you know, side of software development. Um, and primarily, when where I started the company was um, ran across a a HUD closing attorney, uh, and he's like, "Look, me and my job sucks." I, I work with all these lenders that, um, you know, got all these documents and checklists and, uh, you know, doing big commercial real estate deals uh, with, they've got a checklist that they can't follow. They've got, um, you know, boilerplate documents that are, are completely inaccurate. Uh, it's an extremely manual process that, that is very complicated and hard to get through. And it's super painful for the borrowers that are trying to get financing. And, you know, I think that's where um, 
you know, I talked to that, that guy for a year having coffee with him and, and eventually took him up on the offer. Uh, ended up moving to St. Louis, uh, working with uh, one of the lenders out there, Gershman Mortgage, uh, primarily just to, to learn the business. Um, basically told them, teach me how to underwrite and how to process a, a multifamily a commercial deal and I'll build a platform uh, to make it more efficient and provide borrowers with better financing. Uh, and, and that's basically what we did. So, I mean, uh, started the company, um, ended up moving. Um, I, thankfully, I, St. Louis is a, a, a great, interesting town, uh, but uh, was also happy to move back, um, which also made my wife happy, right? So, um, but uh, that's what, that was kind of the genesis of the firm. Uh, and since then, we've got a lot of great uh, lenders on our platform uh, and have been able to help quite a few borrowers get better financing for their commercial real estate. Now, you've actually branched out past LendingStandard.com. Didn't you create a uh, multifamilydebt.com as a marketplace of sorts for the same for similar transactions? Absolutely. So, look, we uh, we had a lot of a great fun putting together underwriting back office uh, solutions for the lenders. But uh, the next phase of the business was what we call origination uh, of deals. And, and we've got a, a marketplace, multifamilydebt.com that uh, we launched last year. Uh, we've sourced over a billion dollars in, in loans in the last 12 months uh, from, from launching that in, in June. And that was right in the middle of, of COVID, right? Um, you know, so it's kind of interesting launching a brand new product, but, uh, you know, multifamily debt is a, a marketplace to help borrowers find the best deal to finance one of their commercial real estate properties. Um, and we've got a, a great network of 300 different lenders that, that we're able to, to help compete with their business. Uh, if you think of it a little bit like a, a blend of lending tree and rocket mortgage for multifamily, that's us. So, so overall, as I mentioned, you know, people have been buying real estate since currency or maybe even barter existed, and you know, it's been uh, you know tried and true. Now, I, was it Roy Rogers or someone named Rogers that once said buy real estate because they're not making any more of it, and then they invented the internet and did make literally make more of it. Uh, but you know, when it comes to like when it comes to real estate and just the technology involved, what are some of the you know what are some of the uh, the biggest like not just at lending standard and multifamily debt, but what were some of the, what are some of the biggest challenges and efficiency that real estate technology in general have solved over the last 20 years? Well, commercial real estate in general haven't solved anything in the last 20 years. I mean, <laughs> the, the way, the way they do a commercial real estate loan today is not much different from 1982. Right. So, that their biggest piece of technology that most banks and, and lenders leverage is Excel. And I'm, I'm fairly certain that the spreadsheet was invented in the early eighties. So. Okay. So, so just general, like it, now, but with residential, that's, that's actually made some leaps forward. Hasn't it? When you're talking about residential and owner occupied properties, not investor 
properties, right? Like you're, we're talking, mm. you know, family needs to buy a home to live in. Um, yeah, look, there's been lots of great uh, technology on the, the residential side of things. Um, and, and there's still improvements that, that they can make there. But, um, you know, in large part, residential has absolutely adopted more of a, a, a digital, um, you know, solution to get deals done. I mean, you, you look at Rocket Mortgage or, you know, any of the other kind of more modern residential platforms out there, you know, their goal is to make it easy. Well, that just hasn't really happened uh, in commercial. Um, and, you know, why is that? Why, why do you think that is? Because there's so much activity in that market and just the real estate investment space. You, I mean, I know you guys are, are doing a lot to fix that, but why do you think that's lagged behind? You know, change, change is hard um, for folks, but change is really hard for people when, when things are just really good, right? So, and what I mean by that is, the folks that, that originate finance, close a lot of commercial real estate, uh, they do very well for themselves. They don't have, um, they make a lot of money closing a deal. Um, and, and there's not, hasn't been a whole lot of competitive pressure uh, on them to, to, to really change the way they do business. So that, yeah, and I guess that makes sense because it's the if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, the people that handle the closing and the origination and all that, um, well, if it's working for them, and that that is pretty expensive. You know, I, we, you and I had a, a prior conversation just from founder to founder, and you told me that often a multifamily loan will will suck up fifty, sixty thousand dollars worth of labor and sometimes not close. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the main thing you guys are trying to fix and solve. Is, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's crazy inefficient, you know, how the process for a lot of the lenders that haven't adopted some kind of technology really is. And it's just cause it's so stinking manual. It's not only that it's manual, but you know, you're dealing with a far more complicated finance and accounting um, right. So you've got to have more expensive staff that, you know, have a lot of accounting, legal background, uh, you know, have a lot of finance experience. And, you know, those, those folks are very expensive. And so if you burn up, you know, several months of their time on a particular deal that doesn't get closed, well, no one makes any money. So, you know, you end up losing money on a deal, which you know, they, they make it up on the next deal that they do get paid, you know, a lot on, but there's a lot of room for improvement. And, you know, lenders are, are starting to, to really, you know, look down the end of a barrel. And, you know, basically, th there's forces coming at them in the next year or two that if, if these lenders don't get off of their, their old technology, they're going to get run over by someone else that will. So sometimes when you look at industries, then the industry will be really fragmented, meaning like there's, you know, 40,000 in small companies that deal with it. Is the investment side of that, is that, has, is that the case? And, and if so, has that been a limiting factor in real estate investment technology moving forward? Like there's just not a big player that's, 
super incentivized or? That is a little bit of it. And I think one thing that's helped residential is just the, you know, kind of the government, you know, side of conforming loans for Fannie, Freddie, et cetera, kind of really helped pressure, you know, a lot of the banks to kind of do conforming, you know, loans so they could get it off their books. And, and that doesn't really exist in the same way uh, in commercial either. So, I mean, you've got, you've got a handful of, of very large, lenders in the space that are, are kind of HUD agency lenders that we we work with on our underwriting platform. But once you get outside that that uh, group of 20, like there's literally 4,000 different, uh, you know, commercial real estate lenders out there that do deals completely different, you know, underwrite it very different from the next. Uh, and so there's a lot of fragmentation, um, you know, in the space. And, you know, you go talk to three different local bankers about financing your commercial real estate, you know, deal, they'll give you three very different answers. And you may go back to the same banker one day and they'll tell you no. And tomorrow they'll tell you yes. It, why, why is that? <laughs> I, I mean, it's uh, a little bit of, you know, it, it's uh they, a lot of folks think commercial real estate financing is a bit of an art, uh, even though I come from the perspective that it's not, uh, because when you really dig into uh, what what are what do they consider the art, it, it's always you know the fundamentals of you know property you know as far as you know what are the rents, what's the, your income, expenses, who's managing the property, you know where is it located. Uh, you know, what's the, the economic uh, profile of, of your, your renters that, um, you know, you're renting to, et cetera. Uh, you know, th there's all, they all lean on that. But, um, you know, I think because it's so manual, you know, a lot of, of um, you know, originators or underwriters, you know, they, they kind of just sort of, you know, look at the tea leaves and, you know, the, they'll dig into a deal, you know, for, you know, half an hour they won't get all because it's so manual. They, they won't get to everything, and they won't un uncover the, you know, what makes this a good or a bad deal, right? So they they just kind of give it the sniff test, and either it smells good today or it smells bad tomorrow. I mean that I, I hear you on that, and it, by the way, that sounds very imperfect. You know, just meaning like who is that person? What and why is their gut so strong or not when it comes to that? So overall, you, the it, the real estate investment tech space is going through digital transformation. And when you go through digital, digital transformation, oftentimes that relates to better or improved customer access, customer engagement, it can create a, a greater sense of competition. And it can also produce a lot of data when it comes to multifamily lending, like like you do at Lending Standard, and also at multifamily debt, once again, there's links in the show notes for that. Like, how much? Like, what are you out of those things I mentioned? First off, am I leaving something out? And also, like, what are some of the things that you do at Lending Standard and multifamily debt that improve either customer access engagement? Maybe, like you mentioned, I would like to think that your marketplace with 300 lenders in it. Well, that reason to compete and, you know, also the data. So just some, a couple metrics I'll, I'll 
throw out there first. Um, so National uh, Realty Association did a, a survey uh, a little bit more than a year ago about, uh, you know, commercial real estate lending, you know, find that that 33% of good deals fail to find good financing and that 0% of borrowers, zero, right, goose egg uh, of borrowers have any faith in lenders actually financing their deal. And, you know, what, what often happens is, you know, underwriting is seen as a black box. No one knows what happens in underwriting. The deal goes in something may or may not come out. Um, and I think that that is one of the, the biggest problems that, that we are solving. Uh, you know, one of the things that we learned with working with a lot of the big HUD agency underwriters is how to take underwriting and turn it into software. And being able to uh, take all of those underwriting rules, of, here's a particular property, you know, what their financials look like, who's managing it, and being able to provide transparency, right? Of here are all the rules and here's why this deal works out. Um, that's something that, that we can instantly, you know, run through underwriting analysis on a deal um, and be able to, to show a borrower why a deal fits these terms or not. Um, and so that, that's a big piece to it. The other thing that we can do that no one else can do is, is we can show a borrower a comparison of five or six different types of loan products uh, all at the same time, right? Where we can we could show you a side-by-side -side comparison of a HUD deal versus a Fannie Freddie deal versus a conventional lender, you know, that might be a bank down the street versus, you know, more of a bridge or, or private money you know, lender that, that might fit a unique situation. Um, and we can show you a loan comparison on all of those options all at the same time, just running software uh, and, and do it within the first couple minutes of, of you putting together an application. So I didn't realize, so one of the bigger, bigger fears for the investors is that they just have no clue if they're going to get accepted or not. Like they don't have a, like buying a home. I mean, that, that's feels pretty cut and dry, you know, like, Hey, is your yeah. debt to income ratio in place? Is the house, what's the house appraised at blah, blah, blah. Do you have a down payment? And it seems pretty straightforward. Now commercial real estate can be all over the place. And, you know, for some of you that, that aren't familiar with it, I mean, and I, I get it when it, the part where you said about it being an art is like, it's not as uh, well right now, the, the current real estate market for residential. I mean, anybody I know that's put their home on the market has like a <laughs> flood of people lined up to come buy it. And right. that's not always the case with commercial. I've owned commercial real estate before. I used to own my uh, I used to own an office building that my company operated in. And I remember when I went to sell it, I was like, shit, this could be all over the place. Like you got to find the right person that wants the right amount of space and a whole lot of stuff, but I didn't realize that the fear of the lending part might have been a little different. Now, and now that I think about it as a buyer, I remember that when I bought the building, they made me get an insurance policy on myself. Because um, yeah. if I died, they wanted to know that they were going to get paid, even though I had sufficient uh, assets on a personal level that would have covered the value of the building anyway. So is that the yeah. kind of stuff you're talking about? Just like the weird little shit they add in? Yeah. And it's all stuff that, 
you know, is actually fairly typical once you, you understand it, right? You're in that situation, you're kind of the single tenant in a particular office building. So 100% of, you know, that rent is the holding upon you. Uh, and, you know, I think that they always want to dig into, well, what happens if uh, you go away, right? Um, and, you know, people talk about the art of commercial real estate. And I, I think there is something interesting to that. Um, you know, look, that's part of what I think makes real estate attractive to a lot of, a lot of people is that, you know, every property in some way is different. Um, but there are a lot of rules on commercial real estate that most people just don't know. And I think a lot of borrowers, you know, often approach it, you know, in a way, just like a residential loan, it's always, well, what's the best rate? What's the best, you know, down payment? What's the best, um, you know, term, right? And, and a lot of times that, you know, investors are looking for, you know, what is the best rate? Well, it depends, right? It Unfortunately, it, it's not like getting a residential loan. It's the the answer to what is the best interest rate? What's the best down payment? What's the best, you know, um, pick your, your loan term. Uh, it really comes down to where's the property? What's the income? What's the expenses? You know, how, who is it occupied by? How, you know, is it leased up for the next two or three years or year or is it month to month, right? It, it's, you have to answer all of these things to be able to get an answer of, okay, yeah, your best interest rate for you in your current situation with that particular property is 3.2% interest rate and you can get 25% down, right? Like that, that's the big issue, you know, in, in a lot of ways in commercial real estate is you gotta, you gotta get those initial questions answered to be able to then respond and say, okay, here are your options. You can you can do you know an agency deal, um, and it's going to cost you X. Here's what your LTV and term is going to look like. Or we could go this other route with a conventional lender. It might be shorter term, a little bit higher interest rate, but it won't cost you as much. I thought about it more in terms of which would be the easiest. Now, it's no secret that the multifamily loan process can be difficult to manage. And that's why multifamilydebt.com's intuitive online platform can help you make the take the pain out of the process by matching borrowers with lenders buying for their business, streamlining the application process and providing guidance from industry experts to help borrowers find the best option. Go to multifamilydebt.com. There's a link in the show notes. And I want to talk about digital trends in real estate. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, we'll get into some more specifics about investing in multifamily real estate in a future episode. But overall, when it comes to real estate, I mean, it's obviously huge. It's everywhere. It's not going anywhere. Um, yeah, what are some of the, the trend like data uh, is such a hot topic? I mean, is is uh, is data the, the way to fix and improve the process? Just being able to look at the history or the trends or whatever? It Data is an important part uh, and, you know, part of the problem with a lot of uh, the industry is the fact that, you know, the manual process, a lot of data in Excel sheets makes it unaccessible to, to really look for, you know, comparables and market rents. And, um, you know, there are companies out there that do uh, provide more of your market rents and some property data. 
but it's interesting the way um, it's done in commercial. A, a lot of it's done on a survey basis. Like they they hire you know folks to go survey uh, you know lots of commercial real estate uh, where you know residential is very different. It's very data oriented. Um, so that's definitely part of the problem is just access to data. And, and that that's a key part that we're we're also trying to build uh, with what we're doing is, is taking you know data, being able to use it and leverage it to to get better deals done. I probably should have asked before I suggested the topic. Do you are you are you seeing certain trends that are you know from being inside the industry? Like what from your point of view, what's trending? A couple of things I, I think has been really interesting. Uh, trends you know that we've seen especially this last year is really investors buying and and properties that are outside of their backyard um and i think that's kind of one interesting thing with covid um you know folks that have started looking elsewhere to to buy and invest in in properties that uh, are outside their area and there's lots of factors for that, but um, you know, I think one thing that um, you know, COVID has sort of enforced on a lot of people is we, a lot of us have been stuck at home, you know, behind a Zoom screen, um, and no reason we can't buy a property in Kansas City or Nashville or New York uh, just as effectively uh, as we could, you know, maybe just down the street. What and we've, so we've seen the- a lot of that. So one of the things that, go ahead, go ahead. To me, that's one of the reasons why we had a lot of success last year, right? It's just that, um, you know, we have out-of-state buyers that don't know the local banks in a particular town, right? So they've got no local banker to even lean on, right? They just know they found a really great property in Nashville or, you know, really great property in Kansas City and they want to buy it, Right. Um, and they don't have sort of that natural, um, you know, backstop of, oh, I, my local banker can help me out there. And we've been able to fill a pretty big gap in, in those remote investors uh, and helping them get good financing. So one of the things with real estate that, uh, you know, here I am, I turned 46 this year and I've been through some bubbles. I even remember being a child and watching the certain, uh, the, the savings and loan banking fiascos, you know, where multiple savings and loans went out. How are things like blockchain and predictive analysis going to working to prevent fraud? and different stuff. Cause you know, some of the things that came up with like the, as what will in air quotes here, the housing bubble and financial meltdown of 2008 was probably avoidable in a lot of ways. And there was fraud and misuse and different stuff like that. Is there, is there, are there things coming up or things that are futuristic down the road that are going to help, you know, stop or prevent or predict stuff like that? You know, for commercial real estate, um, it, it's maybe a little bit of a, a, a difference, a little bit. Um, hmm. It's a good question. So for one, I, I would say that even though, you know, a lot of commercial real estate, there's art to it. I, I would say they, they tend to, you know, err on the conservative side of underwriting deal. And, and I think that's been a natural kind of protection for 
uh, you know, quality of good commercial real estate lending. Uh, now, on the other hand, it, hard to predict, you know, last year, COVID, hard to predict, you know, the fallout in, you know, hotel financing, right? Or think about student housing financing last year. I mean, even, even financing an office space last year was hard. Um, and I think those are sectors that, that that was kind of a hard thing to predict. And those, those, um, those properties in particular took a bath last year. Um, you know, otherwise, I, I do think that it's something we need to be mindful, you know, about, you know, leveraging, you know, technology that I think n not only protect from bubbles like that, but, you know, I think the biggest need for, you know, commercial real estate, frankly, is just modernizing, um, you know, the process, right? So they, they haven't even gotten to the point where, you know, they're modern enough to, to really have a bad, super bad bubble. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about the commercial side of things because that is a lot different. And I, I you know, I, I've been a building owner and, and uh, I did get to experience the process, which I said felt a little weird. You know, like I was, I thought it was, odd. I, I sold the building, but I kept the insurance policy on myself, by the way. So I sometimes remind my wife that she might want to consider killing me because, you know, it would, it would, uh, it would be valuable. But, you know, so we were talking about data earlier. Um, how much, all right. So does something like, and once again, just having a conversation here, so I don't want to put you on the spot for this, but, it, you know, so much about predictive analysis or looking at the past and trying to see what a good investment is in the future is looking at the past. And right. there's a huge, obviously going to be a huge change in real estate investment in general uh, when it comes to commercial stuff, because the data might be flawed. Like you have companies, like I was reading a thing the other day that said Google is saving a billion dollars. That's with a B a year by working remote. So like, is the, is the old data when it, it, but at the same time, like it's pretty well known that residential real estate's on fire right now, which, right. which scares me a little bit. Cause the last time I remember that being the case, it wasn't too far after that, that, uh, that, that a bubble popped. Yeah. So like, does the pan, did the pan has the, is the pandemic going to, in your opinion, once again, just an opinion, uh, going to skew the data across everything, all, all forms. I mean, for, for one, the data that we have in multifamily, it, it really isn't that good to begin with, right? It, it's, uh, we've got either, you know, lenders have, have built their own little piece of, of some historical data that they may have, um, you know, leveraged with some survey data that they might get from a company like CoStar, which is not very accurate either. Um, and I think that's always been a bit of a, a, a challenge just to have good data at all, uh, in the commercial real estate world. Um, you know, so, you know, from the other piece of it is multifamily has been pretty good through the, the COVID, you know, crisis occupancy has been decent, um, and still been performing fairly well. So I don't see, you know, th this last pandemic really skewing the, the data too much. Um, you know, I think it's just uh, as an industry, we just, we really need to improve our ability to collect actual data and not be so reliant on, 
the, the co-star type uh, folks of the world that have more kind of a surveyed uh, data approach to stuff. Is CoStar a, a business or agency that specializes in providing sales or valuation data? Yeah, so they CoStar does a lot of commercial real estate uh, research data where you can look. CoStar owns a lot of various uh, businesses, you know, apartments.com, you know, and, and, and other uh, other solutions, right? And I think that... Um, you know, they, they will collect market rents and, and market sales. Uh, they also own LoopNet, uh, you know, for kind of buy-sell of commercial real estate. Uh, they're also famous for, you know, having very inaccurate data. <laughs> yeah, you but, mentioned But they that. are the 500-pound gorilla in, in the commercial real estate data market, and they've got a lock on it. You mentioned the year 1982 earlier, sending people out to do surveys manually sounds very 1982 and also uh, inaccurate because, you know, one thing I've learned about people that invest in anything, I was made, I was made it made a, a comment on someone's feed on Facebook because I know every day that crypto goes up because I see people on Facebook professing their genius for, you know, buying Bitcoin. And then on the days when it's when it goes down 18%, it's crickets. So I, I, I don't even need to check the prices of cryptocurrency because I know I can tell on the by looking at my own Facebook feed, the day that everyone's talking about how, what a genius they are, uh, it's up and the days that are really quiet, it's down. So, you know, there's some uh, there's some social indicators there. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, we were talking about just digital trends in, in general and real estate and investment stuff is, is there are, are multifamily home values, are those properties going up the same way that residential is? No, they're, they're, not. they're not. Right. So the value, I mean, they are going up, right. And it's getting harder. It, it, I would say that availability of, um, and that's a big, another big need is affordable housing, right? Affordable properties, uh, to, to rent. Uh, so there's a lack of, uh, inventory still, uh, and finding a good apartment building to buy is still hard, but you know, the value of a commercial real estate building it is heavily based on the income and the profit that that building generates every single year. And given it's so tied to, you know, profit, that the values don't go up as dramatically as a home, you know, where a lot of buying a home is, I just really want a bigger house and I will, I will pay more money to live in a bigger house. Um, you know, my wife said that we we've got to upgrade. So, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. So it, I was speaking with Eric Perkins, who uh, if you watch the startup hustle TV and check us out on YouTube, you'll, you'll notice that lending standard has helped us power some of his segments. And uh, you know, he's a home builder in Western uh, in the Western side of North Carolina, just outside of Asheville. And one of the things that's had a big impact on that and real estate investment in general is just the materials cost has just gone, gone through the roof. Like, you know, yeah. I've seen j memes joking. They're like, make plywood cheap again. 
And uh, we were we were moving it. We're moving into our new office building in Kansas City, Kansas. And I found a small stack of plywood. I pointed at it the other day, and I was like, "We definitely don't want to throw that away. Uh, that might be the most built, you know, valuable stuff in in the building." But you know, Eric said that that um, you know his costs have gone up thirty to fifty percent in some regards, yeah. which have then equated to. Uh, then equated to some people canceling their home contracts because yeah. it's going to change the price that they they might not be able to afford it or it might not have been as appealing and you know the good the the good side of that I would think is well you always have that buy versus build mentality so that you know it, when when the tide rises most ships in the harbor go up with it so right. uh, that can have something to do with it but yeah I'm not yeah. sure where that's going to trend. Well, the lumber cost has definitely hit, um, you know, multifamily construction pretty hard. And, and look, there's a critical need for affordable housing in the United States. And for the most part, that that need is met by primarily multifamily buildings that are, are built. Um, and unfortunately, with the lumber cost being the way it is, it's really hard to increase the supply, you know, of multifamily when the price just went up another 20, 30 percent. You know, we um, we closed quite a few new construction deals this last year uh, through multifamily debt. Most of them got hit during construction with you know increased you know construction costs, and, and we had to go back and and help those borrowers you know readjust their financing to to cover the increase, and just pretty painful. So what, one other trend that I've noticed when it comes to real estate investment tech, and this is kind of like one foot on the side of the line of, of so prop tech, just general property management technology that helps, yeah. it's helping investors streamline the process of it. You know, we've got companies in Kansas City that have, have grown with that and I'm seeing them all around. Do you think that that's the future for investors? Like the, the, the way making, you know, one of the reasons that people don't like owning rental properties is that is their tenants, you know, and like having yeah. to deal with it, keep up with it, process the, the, you know, repair claims and whatever. I mean, how, how big of a part of, of future real estate investment is is the prop tech side of it? I, I mean, it's a huge component of a commercial real estate deal, right? I mean, any deal that, that we finance, we, we need to dig into, you know, how's the property being managed? Who's managing it? You know, how sophisticated are they? Um, and, you know, a lot of the, the prop tech uh, companies that are out there, you know, are a great, you know, solution to helping investors do a better job managing their property. And when it comes to getting good financing, um, you know, it makes it a whole lot easier to get financing if you've got your house in order, right? If, if you've got a good, you know, property manager that's got good books that uh, are being kept, you know, you've got your occupancy, you know, up. That's where you get the best terms. You get the best rate, the best loan, you know, when you've got your, your stuff together. And there, there's a lot to be said for that. I think we've definitely made it made it a point to, to partnering with good property management firms to help their investors finance their, their properties. 
So I end my episodes of Startup Hustle, and I say my episodes because I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle. Make sure you tune in on Tuesdays to listen to the episodes recorded with Andrew Morgans, the founder of Marknology. He talks all about Amazon and e-commerce. Tune in on Thursdays with Innovate Her KC founder, Lauren Conaway, while she she engages in a variety of topics. Uh, You know... Before we get into the freestyle, a quick reminder that you can get matched with commercial multifamily loan options in minutes when you go to multifamilydebt.com. It's an industry-leading solution that simplifies the commercial real estate mortgage process. Visit multifamilydebt.com to learn more. Uh, As the owner of multifamilydebt.com, hopefully that was the way you wanted that read. So thank you for helping power what we do. But, uh, you know, I mentioned the founder's freestyle in the end, like, so... I, you know, part of why I really wanted to dive in and thanks for helping power this series because it's something we haven't, but we haven't touched it. You know, we were coming up our 600 episodes coming out. We had very little stuff to do when it comes to just real estate investment. And like I said, we're going to have 10 different episodes of this, but you know, I, I think that, you know, you can be a founder on so many different levels. And when you begin making real estate investments and owning properties and building that portfolio, while you may not have a, a fancy uh, dot com and a lot of different stuff, you're still a founder of your own of your own hustle. So what what's the best advice that we can give listeners when it comes to just using real estate investment tech in general? Look, I mean, it, it's a great, uh, you know, entrepreneurial endeavor, right? Investing in real estate. I mean, every single property that you buy, it's it's your own little business, every single one of them. The, the great thing about multifamily and commercial real estate and investing in property is that there's a there's a playbook. Like there is a, a written playbook of how to be a success at it. Uh, and not only is there... A, a great playbook that uh, you know a lot of people follow, but there's a there's a team there's a team of people out there that are experienced doing commercial real estate uh, and investing in real estate, um, and, and it's definitely a team sport. And you know I think that's a that's a great part about uh, you know getting into the real estate investing is there's a a lot of help, right? I, I think I just look at you know look we in a lot of ways, we run a software business and we, we had a lot of, you know, um, you know, things we had to figure out and there was no playbook for us to really to follow. Um, and I, I think that's, uh, that's something that, um, you know, for anyone looking to get into real estate investment, you know, being able just to, to partner up with someone else that's done it before, um, you know, is big. And I think that's where we also think that, we're a value in the industry because look, we've, we've financed and helped, you know, borrowers, you know, do, you know, thousands and billions of dollars in financing uh, and having a good partner on the other end it is definitely a, a key to being a success. Yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, I'll tack on to that. I think that we're, I've mentioned this about different things and stuff. We're in this golden age of innovation and, you know, 20 years ago, well, like you said, there's like some dude behind a desk that's like, yes or no, and just got the rubber stamp on it. And there's a level of equity and inclusion and fairness that just looks at general data and and stuff like that. And it's also, 
you know, marketplaces and competition breed better deals for for yeah. people in general. And, you know, like that, I think your marketplace is pretty awesome. I mean, a billion dollars in deals and in the last 12 months, congratulations with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the thing is when, when, when people, when sellers are forced to compete against other sellers, it's usually the buyer that wins. And because people right. want to get the better deal and they go after things a little more aggressively and they're, uh, oftentimes held accountable for whether they're offering good deals or not. And there's, you know, that's, and then I, you know, another thing too, with just the investment side of things and like I've owned real estate uh, different kinds before it's honestly, it's not my favorite flavor of stuff because it's kind of a pain in the ass to keep up with. Now I've been relooking at that in general because of things like prop tech and and making it easier to get a loan and like and that's why i think your platform's so cool because there i I'll, I'll tell you i haven't invested in things like real estate in the past because it's such a pain in the ass to get the financing set up and you know it's like yeah. all you're gonna freaking do for months and i was busy doing other stuff that i was making money at so i have to you got to pick one and sometimes the other and so I kind of put it off to the side and then, you know, I think it's, and, and then again, I'm in just conclusion, I'm just a huge fan of anything that, that helps people sell more and spend less. And yeah, no I mean, that's what you guys are doing. Like, cause I, the idea that I was just shocked when you told me the amount of expense that goes in to, from a manpower and labor perspective for a multifamily home loan, I was like, good God. Like, that's crazy. And, you know, to think about how inefficient that is, and hopefully we get around to solving it. Andy, thanks so much for joining me. For those of you listening, make sure you go down and click the links at the show notes. At a minimum, go check out what's going on. You might qualify and be able to find some multifamily investment opportunities that you didn't realize you could find. So go do that and then come back for the other parts of the series. Andy, I'll see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.